Well, good morning to each and every one of you. I hope you came with a Bible. If you didn't, there's one in front of you. You can probably find a Bible on your phone, but if you can get your hands on a Bible, I'd like to invite you to join me in the first epistle of John. First John chapter number two. It's a terrible thing to read about some prominent leader in Christianity walking away from the faith. In the last few years, we have seen a number of prominent young leaders do just that. Some of these were authors who had great influence, and some of these were pastors of large churches just walking away from the faith and saying they no longer believe that. This is not a new phenomenon, but it is one that we can expect to see increasing. Let's read about it. 1 John chapter number 2 and find verse 18. Let's stand together in honor of God's word. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They went out, that it might become plain that they, are, that they all are not of us. You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, Abide in him. May God bless our reading of his word. Now, I read beyond what was probably on the screen. Uh, I read beyond what it was predicted, prophesied to be the text. I read all the way through verse 26, 27, in fact. And it's really a little bit difficult to find where this uh, paragraph ends. 
In fact, you, you, you'll find it listed in various scholarship articles as either being a part, some of it is a part of the next chapter, or some of the next chapter is a part of this chapter. Essentially, the last verse of chapter 2 functions as a door hinge, and it connects both what's before and what's after, and if we could get through our heads that the chapter verses and divisions are not inspired of God and were nowhere in any manuscripts, then we might be better able to read the New Testament and Old Testament as well. While I may not deal with every verse that's in this text, they are connected and overlapping. So what happens? What happens when somebody walks away from the Christian faith? Well, it generally is not something that occurs instantaneously, overnight. Frequently it is the result of, frankly, Doubt, doubt, creeping in, opening doors for falsehood. And that's what happens in this text. This church to whom John is writing is a church that is sound biblically. But it is a church that has become populated by people who are not authentic Christians. They are near the Christian faith, but they do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there is not a sense of authenticity about them. It's not always that they intend to be false believers, it is that they have opened the door through doubt to false teaching, and they become infected by false teaching. False teaching invades their mind because they're susceptible to it, because they are in doubt, and either in the quest to find answers or in simple doubt about what they have learned false teaching becomes their direction. Now, I want to talk about it a little bit this morning, and I want to make clear to you that not everybody who leaves the church or leaves a church is a false teacher. Not everybody who leaves a local congregation is an unbeliever. Hear that. Sometimes there are very good reasons to leave a church. But at other times, someone who leaves the church and does not go into another Bible-believing church reveals that that individual is not an authentic follower of Jesus Christ and never was and the fact that they are in the local church makes the local church vulnerable to the spreading of false teaching 
Now, that may not be happening at Park Hills Baptist Church, and I pray that it's not. But it will. It will happen. It has happened. And ultimately, it will likely happen in every Bible-believing church. So this morning, I want to say to you, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived by people. Do not be deceived by people. We become vulnerable to false teaching when we are not scrutinizing what is coming out of the mouths of other people. And often we do not scrutinize those people because we like them. We like them. They're kind, they're friendly perhaps. Maybe they are our friends. But we don't pay attention to what they're saying. And before we know it, their influence on us has redirected us. So I say to you, do not be deceived by people. He says in verse 18, even now many antichrists have appeared. Now, what he means in this use of Antichrist, and by the way, John in his epistles is the only one who ever uses this particular term, Antichrist. And what he means by it in this location is describing people who are contrary, other than, or objecting to Jesus Christ. The word anti, the prefix anti there, can mean against or it can mean other than. And in most cases, some degree of both. Instead of Jesus Christ, in place of Jesus Christ, or in opposition to Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something. Our views on Jesus are very important. What we think about Jesus, what we believe Jesus to be, is ultimately important. We'll look at it in a, in a moment more carefully, but we must be cautious whenever someone starts speaking about Jesus and what they say about Jesus does not ring clear with what we have been taught from the Bible about Jesus, we should, the antennas should go up, the red light should come on and we should pause and recognize that the teaching that is contrary to what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ is anti-Christ. And those who are teaching that, those who are saying those things, are also themselves anti-Christ. Now, I guess I could distinguish between Antichrist and the Antichrist. The problem is, 
the New Testament doesn't necessarily do that. There are other terms used in the New Testament for Antichrist, that is the ultimate opponent of Jesus Christ. But what John says here is because we are living in the last hours, the last days, we are living in the opening phase of the end. Now, a lot of people read that and they say, well, clearly John thought Jesus was just about to come back and he thought that that this was the this was the, the, the moment before Jesus returned. That's not what Jesus, I mean, John believed. And to think that that's what John believed is, frankly, to disbelieve the Bible. Because that is not what John taught. What he is saying here is that after the ascension of Jesus Christ, after Jesus died, was buried, then rose again, and finally ascended into heaven a day began a dawning of a new era began on this earth that is called the last days because these days are the space between the operation of God the incarnation what Jesus came to this earth to do he did. He accomplished. He said on the cross, it is finished. Not I am finished, but it, the work that he was sent to do was completed. And our redemption was made possible because of his death and his burial and his resurrection. And his ascension is a return to the throne where he had left prior to his incarnation, that moment that Jesus ascended, opened the door of the last era of this world. This world is coming to an end. And John says, we know this world is coming to an end. We know that we are in the last time because antichrists are appearing. That's how we know. We know that Jesus was the Messiah, and one of the indicators of it is that there are so many antichrists trying to defeat, trying to distract from, trying to divert believers away from and hearers away from the true Jesus Christ. Now, I warn you. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived by people. Don't be deceived by what they teach. Don't be deceived by their doctrine. Their doctrine, what they say, what, what we believe matters. And what religious groups say and believe matters. He says in verse 19, they went out from us. That is, they exited. That's the word. They, they went out from us. But they were not of us. Prepositions matter too. They left from us, but they weren't of us. And here we have a genitive 
of ownership or belonging. They, they, they went out from us, but they were never a part of us. They were never one of us. They went out. False teachers ultimately do. They ultimately do, and on their way out, they're living proof that they don't belong to us. They can't stay. That is, if the church holds to the apostolic teaching of the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so these false teachers go out and they start their own thing, their own work. Be careful, folks. Not every church that springs up, not every church that, that begins is a Bible-believing church. Be careful. There are things about churches that we can be attracted to. We may be attracted to a, a polished speaker. We may be attracted to <clears throat> skilled music. We may be attracted to young faces in the crowd. And, and, and I hear that a lot. I just want to tell you something. I'm attracted to young faces too. Partly because mine isn't. Just would like to see a face that's, that's not wrinkled. And so we, 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 we go to a church, a brand new church, and, it, and it's got such young faces in it, and it's got such a polished speaker in it, and it's got such wonderful music. What could, more could you want? I'll tell you what more you could want. Truth. That's something you could want. And understand, I'm not accusing young churches of all being false teachings. I'm not. But don't be deceived by groups that have all of the accoutrements, all of the elements that you're looking for in a church, but don't have sound doctrine. Be careful. Be careful. We all want to be part of something alive and fresh. Sometimes the thing that we think is alive and fresh is spiritually dead. Be careful. According to verse 20, he suggests that we be careful of what I would call religious insiders. People who claim that they have some kind of knowledge that, that is special, that is unique, or they have made some discovery in Scripture that's never been seen before. He says... He says, I, I warn you here, look in verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. Listen. <clears throat> if 2,000 plus years, somebody pops on the scene and says, I have a new teaching. I have a new idea. I have a new way of doing this Christianity thing man you ought to run for the hills you ought to run for the hills everything you need to know about their false teaching is in that idea of something new you better not be looking for something new when it comes to doctrine and theology because something new is necessarily something false 
the truth. He says they have known and they knew it because they knew Jesus Christ. He dwelt in them. This anointing that is described here is a description of the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told us about this Holy Spirit, that he would guide the believer in all truth. You don't need somebody to come along and tell you, I have a new truth. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. A genuine follower of Jesus Christ knows everything they need to know. Not everything that they might need to know. There there are things that no new believer knows. But even a new believer, having Jesus Christ living in them through the person of the Holy Spirit, knows everything they need to know. And any new teaching that comes along that has not been in the church since the beginning is false teaching. That simple. That simple. There are are groups of people that are likable, pleasant, community-oriented, family-centered, and they call themselves Christians. But somewhere along the way, somebody said, I have a new idea. I have some new insight that's never been seen before. Come and listen to this new insight I have. And people began to flock to that. Why would they flock to that? Because they're not authentic believers. Because the truth is not in them. Jesus Christ is not in them. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. They would not be drawn to that false teaching if the truth was living in them. Now, I hope I'm not describing anybody you know, but quite frankly, every one of us knows somebody that has been drawn in to a false group who claims to have new knowledge. Well, let me move on. Don't be deceived. That's his his warning here. Don't be deceived. And don't be deceived by people. Don't be deceived by doctrine either. Doctrine matters. We we hear the word doctrine, most of us, and, and our eyes begin to just spin. And I hear people say, my faith is not a doctrinal faith. My faith is a personal faith. And I hope I know what they mean, and I hope they mean by that is that the certainty of their faith is their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But when somebody argues that doctrine isn't important, they have not read the New Testament. This book is all about doctrine. How in the world do you know Jesus and anything about Jesus that that Make your knowledge of him a saving knowledge of him. Jesus is revealed in Scripture. Here. What Scripture says about Jesus. Not what the latest idea is or the latest fad about him. Doctrine matters. And it matters so much 
that we begin to see in our generation, in, in our time right now, antichrists jumping all around, doing everything they can to snuff out truth. We, we, we've seen the culture taken over, not just here, but around the world. We've seen the culture overtaken by the idea that truth doesn't exist, that absolute truth simply doesn't exist. We have the idea present in the church through what is called the emergent church. Now let me tell you what the emergent church is. The emergent church appears to be a church that is just fired up, just more authentic, more genuine, more real, if you would, than the present church. It is marked, it is marked by new ways of doing things. Now, there's nothing wrong with new ways of doing things, but there's something terribly wrong about new doctrines. The postmodern movement, that has invaded the church, has invaded the church with its primary doctrine. And that primary doctrine is tolerance. Tolerate everything except someone who believes they know the truth. So there's no truth. There's no truth. Everybody has their own truth. Everybody is free to believe what they believe. They hear doctrine being taught, and they just shake their heads for those old-fashioned people who still think they hold the truth. And you see it on the margins. You see it. On the margins. We begin to see it when churches start struggling with, with things that are issues that are social in nature. Oh, it's a social thing. It's a social thing when we talk about when life begins. That's a social thing. Life begins whenever you think it begins. Life begins when the latest medical science says it begins. The next thing we know, the local church has no policy, no idea about what life is worth. Simply because we begin to dispute when life begins. If you can't identify when life begins, then you certainly can't agree on life's value. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting no feedback. And that's not my objective is to get feedback, but I notice when it gets uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Out there on the margins of things, especially when culture begins to manifest this wonderful quality of tolerance. Now, we've become so tolerant that we can't say when life begins. We can't say what genders there are. 
and the church to maintain its tolerance, this supreme doctrine of postmodernism, the church capitulates its doctrine for the social wave of the current culture. And now the church is itself a false teacher. The church is antichrist. I see entire denominations unclear about things that were 10 years ago pretty clear. Very clear. Things that when the inspired word of God was produced were absolutely clear. What do you think it is that makes something go from clear to cloudy to muddy to non-existent? What do you think that is? Antichrist. It is the spirit of the most evil one invading this culture because he knows this is the last day and the reckoning is going to come because his victory has already been assigned by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knows his last dying gasping breath is in him now. And he is making a full frontal head-on attack against the bride of Jesus Christ. Do not be deceived by people. Do not be deceived by doctrine. Verse 23, he tells us, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus. Just so long as you're sincere. Just so long as you respect Him. Hogwash. Hogwash. Jesus made it crystal clear when He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, no one, regardless of how tolerant they are, no one comes to the Father except by me. Doctrine matters. In verse 24, he says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let it abide in you. You know, it's hard for me to forget a lot of the teachings of my mom and dad because I so vehemently opposed them. And then without even realizing it, I began to espouse them. You know when? When I had children. All of a sudden, I began to sound more and more like my folks. And now I think I sound so much more like my folks, they wouldn't even like me. But what John is saying to these believers is, you don't need anything new. You have the truth. What you had at the beginning of your faith is all you need. Adding to it, taking from it, is dangerous. And according to verse 24, 
according to verse 24, if your relationship with Jesus continues, grows, is nurtured, he uses the word abide. You won't be drawn away. You won't be drawn away. No one could draw you away from a relationship with Christ if you are focused on maintaining that relationship with Christ and cultivating that relationship with Christ. Doctrine matters because it affects our relationship with Christ. We keep the relationship with Christ sound, exuberant, real, daily, nurtured. And false doctrine will not find a way into our life. I want you to go back to verse 22, and I'm going to close because, well, it's time. He says, Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. The only way that we can know the Father is through Jesus. God made himself known through Jesus Christ. And in so doing, he made Jesus Christ the one pathway, the one bridge, if you would, between humanity and deity. There's no other way. But the false teachers of John's day and our day attack that very idea. They attack it on the grounds first of intolerance, as I've mentioned. But they also attack it on the grounds of relativism. It's nice that you feel that way. It's nice that that's your truth. You share your faith with somebody and they'll... They'll sometimes say, I know a lot of people who feel like you do, but, but I just don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that way. I, I think there are more ways. Well, it really doesn't matter what you think. No offense, folks. It doesn't matter what the majority of our culture thinks. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Jesus is the only way to forgiveness of sin. Oh, and you'll notice that is missing in the emergent church. The concept of sin. Because it's, it's difficult. Because it's negative. Well, I got news for you. If you take the negativity away from sin, or you take the concept of sin away, do you know what you've also erased? The gospel. You've erased the gospel. And so the emerging church has no gospel. So its substitute is positive feedback. Feel good about yourself. Come to church and feel good about yourself. Jesus came from heaven, folks. to Show us that we weren't good. He lived a perfect life in contrast to the lives every one of us were living. 
And the reason he did that is because he came to be a sacrifice for our sin. And in doing that, he lived a life of perfection that put the spotlight on our sinfulness. But the gospel tells us that because he did what he did, because he lived a perfect life and died a death on behalf of us, we can have the good news, which is that this is available to us. Jesus, the access to the Father, is now available to us. What a horrible thing. For fear that our culture might judge us to be intolerant, we, the church, throw out the only thing that we have to offer this culture, which is the true pathway to forgiveness. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived by those cults. Maybe you have already such a built-in fear of those cults, you'd never go near them. Well, that's not the only risk. Those cults are made up of people. And a lot of cults are cults without a name of a cult. In fact, some of them use the word Christian. And they begin to attack the church, not from a building, not from a steeple, but from a friendship, a relationship. Do not be deceived by doctrine and do not be deceived by people. Let's pray.